0: Hello, plant-centered listeners. I am Ashley. I am so grateful you are here today. Today I have with me Clara, who is a registered dietitian who specifically helps women thrive in menopause with a plant forward approach. She's worked in the nutrition space for more than 20 years, and she noticed that a lot of her midlife clients... We're struggling not just with weight gain, but low mood, brain fog, apathy, acne, hair loss, body aches. If you're listening, maybe you're like, oh yeah, she's describing me. And she's made it her focus to help women with this midlife transition. Clara also witnessed the power of nutrition as a teen, watching her mother beat breast cancer in an unconventional way, using lifestyle, nutrition, and spirituality. It ultimately made a life-changing impression on her and set her on the path to become a dietitian. Please join me in welcoming Clara to the show. Welcome to the show, Clara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm especially excited because you're also a registered dietitian, and I always love the perspectives that you bring to the show as well. Um, but before we get into all of that, which we'll save for the end, um, I would love for you to just kind of give us a brief background on what you do, who you are, and all those great things.
1: All right. I'm Clara. I am the vegan menopause dietitian. I focus on helping women thrive in menopause with a more plant based approach. And uh, because it, it's a very Underserved area, population area, just even in general menopause. And I found if you want to be more plant-based, oh, it's unsubstantiated uh, claims are out there about protein, and you can't be, uh, you can't do menopause without eating animal protein, or you can't do this because you're a vegan, and uh, you're gonna break all your bones because you're vegan in menopause. And so I really try to uh, get to that and help women. Uh, thrive because as a vegan, we do have some special needs uh, that you might not have in uh, if you eat more of the animal um, protein from the animal kingdom or if you eat fish and so on. And so, there are definitely a few things to look at, but it's absolutely possible to thrive as a vegan in menopause.
0: Yes. And to what you were saying, I have heard there is just a lot of misinformation around being a vegan in menopause or going into menopause. And also too, I think there's maybe a lot of pressure from what I've heard, just personal experiences from people who have told me a lot of pressure from, like you're saying, like maybe healthcare providers of like, well, maybe you should incorporate some animal protein during this time, or this is maybe what it should look like when people are like, but I don't, I don't want to do that. So I'm glad that you're breaking those myths. So I know that you have your own unique story and what brought you to eating more plants in general. Um, So I would love for you to kind of take us back to how that journey sort of started for you.
1: Yeah, and it goes way back. <laughs> it goes, I was thinking, how far back did this go? I was about 14 years old. And I remember one day I came home, there, there, something had changed. Uh, my mother had gone to the doctor and they discovered that she had uh, a lump in her breast. And then they did more uh, studies and they found that she didn't just have breast cancer, but there was also a significant spot in her liver on both sides of the liver. And so there was this, like, a pause. I still remember it. I was just a teenager and I was in high school. Things were going well. And then there was this this black cloud, this pause. And it took a couple of weeks. She went back to the doctor, got all the information. And, you know, we go way back here. We go back, uh, what, 30-plus years. And um, so she was basically told that um, she would have to have a liver transplant. Wow. So she said, okay, well, what does that mean? (laughs) And they, you know, they talked about it. And I remember as a teenager, this is really what stuck in my mind. They said, well, even after the transplant, maybe four years. Wow. So that meant I would be 18, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was the last of six children. And so she was determined. (laughs) That was not going to be the case. (laughs) Yeah. So my mother being my mother, after she kind of, you know, digested that shock, she went and she searched. She said, OK, so surgery is one option. What are the other options? And we had a very good friend who I grew up in the Netherlands. So um, Germany was very close by. We had a friend who was a, a, a uh, physician, but did more like homeopathic and more uh, what we would call alternative medicine she went and got a consult there and they came up with a plan and so she told the physicians at home ah, i'm not going through with this wow and so they said oh so what are you going to do she said i'm going to become a vegetarian vegan and i'm going to do the alternative therapy oh my goodness they were not in favor of that <laughs> i bet not <laughs> no no, but my mother made up her mind. She always, also was a, a, a woman of faith. So because, you know, we're body, mind, and spirit, really. And I I, I do want to bring that out. We can eat all we can, but if we're stressed out and we don't have a trust in, in you know, a uh, that there's something helping us, and for her it was God, then, um, you know, we're missing a part of, of being a person it's yeah. not all about the body it's body mind and spirit yeah and so with the trust that you know god was going to help her raise her last kid me Aww. and uh she went that route so we we were you know we, we ate meat like three times a week then we moved into no more meat because that's what that physician said gone with the meat and so she started juicing and sprouting and Went for treatments every week and I don't even know all kinds of treatments because I was a teenager trying to go through high school, yeah, right?
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Uh, but she went every, every week to Germany. And uh, again, also have that trust that, you know, God was with her and this was her journey. I'm not saying this is what people should do, but this is what she chose. Yep. Yep. And I remember that two years after that, they could not find any lumps in her breast. It was completely gone.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. The liver always stayed. It didn't grow. It didn't do anything. So she'd go like every two, three years to get a checkup uh, uh, with the physicians in the Netherlands. Uh, But, yeah, the breast cancer completely disappeared.
0: Wow. So she never ended up like having the the liver transplant, no surgical removal of anything.
1: She did not have a liver transplant. Now, once I was married, this was like, you know, many years later. It it recurred, and I think you know this is my explanation. I she got me through high school. She got me through college. Yeah. I was married, and that was like, huh. Ah. Yeah. And it came back, and it came back with like within two years, she passed away.
0: Oh wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: But I just saw what food together with the other therapies that she was doing. Yeah, what that did, and it just made such an impression on me. And so she had to start cooking differently.
0: Oh, I'm sure, uh, very differently. Yeah.
1: yeah, she was a good cook.
0: Uh-huh.
1: At that time, traditionally was potatoes, meat, and vegetables. <laughs> That's yep. what we had every day. And the other two days were uh, the other two meals were bread and something on it, like cheese and all kinds of things. And so, yeah, it did change. Uh, completely how we ate. So if I compare with my sisters, you know, how they grew up, they're and I'm like, she never made that anymore. Yeah. Like, that completely changed.
0: Yes. Yeah. Has that impacted the, the way that you all if you know when you get together with your siblings, has that impacted, you know, your kind of approach to a, a family meal versus maybe their approach?
1: Oh absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They still cook very traditionally. And I cook very internationally. I don't think I ever Well, like Thanksgiving, I will say, I'm going to make a Dutch meal, you know, very traditional Dutch meal or for uh, Christmas or for my birthday or like special uh, things. Then I'll make the traditional potatoes and vegetables. But in overall, I cook very international. And I think as she transitioned from um, traditional Dutch food to more international because that was more vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I cook. I cook very uh, international compared to my siblings.
0: Sure. Yeah. So your mom goes to Germany. She comes back and decides she's not going to go through with maybe the the first option Mm -hmm. that was presented to her. And I Mm -hmm. think that in general just brings up a good point that just because you're given one opinion doesn't mean that that has to be the one and only opinion or the one thing that you have to go through. So I like that you kind of gave that perspective of like, okay. That was that's one opinion. Well, what's what's maybe another one? And I think that's great for even the listener and a good reminder even for ourselves of like we can kind of search out other alternatives if that's something if the first opinion doesn't quite align with the path that we want to go down.
1: Right, right. And for her, it was a lot of soul searching. It was a lot, okay, what am I gonna do? I I still have this 14 year old in my home that yeah. I need to you know take care of. And uh once she kind of chose her path and and then she put all her energy behind it. Yeah.
0: So what was that like for you when the transition was taking place? Obviously, like the nutrition transition was taking place. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you understood that, okay, this is for my mom's, you know, well-being. Um, but was there any ever thought of like, well, I don't really want to eat this way or I don't like being maybe forced to eat this way. What were kind of your, what was your reaction just for yourself as you were going through the transition as well with her?
1: Yeah. You know, I thought about that. I just embraced it um, because food was interesting and my mother was a super good cook. So it wasn't like we went from not from tasty food to non tasty food. Like she made it very tasty. And um, what I had noticed with my sisters as they went through puberty, that they all gained weight. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to do that. And I have, uh, three sisters, well, I'm one of six. So I had have, have three sisters and two brothers. So I noticed that my sister had gained weight and I didn't want to go that route. And mm-hmm. so her embracing a different lifestyle uh, made sense to me and I was all for it. I just cannot remember any feeling ever restricted because the food she made was so tasty.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that helps, helped a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we ate, don't we eat for pleasure for you know it tastes good and enjoying it and so it uh she made it taste very good
0: so how did that experience shape your trajectory with food and nutrition and even maybe your career choice later on
1: Mm -hmm. oh it definitely affected my career choice because I saw what what good nutrition can do the power of it and again I'm not saying that if you have cancer that's the only way to go but I just saw the the combination in my mom and then I started to think wow who can do this it would be kind of interesting to study this and understand what this is all about and I want to help people and you know out of that came I want to be a dietitian (laughs) and so very like I was think I think I was 15. Uh, and the way schooling is set up, you kind of have to decide early on uh, so you have the right classes that you graduate in uh, in the Netherlands so you can go on for uh, for your degree. So fairly early, I think I was 15, I was like, "Yeah, I want to be a dietitian.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Did you know? Well, I mean, especially even, I mean, because you, like you said, that was like 30 years ago. So you knew you wanted to be a dietitian. But what about more like on the vegan plant-based side of things? Because obviously that was not really in the forefront of many people's minds back then.
1: (laughs) No, you know, I didn't, again, that's being a teenager. I didn't even think about that part. You sure? (laughs) A whole lot because the transition, she made it so easy because we, we just still had very tasty food. And I know some people stopped inviting us over for meals because they just didn't know what to do with this vegetarian stuff. Yeah. And so to me, it was like, no, I'm going to help people with food. Not necessarily, Mm. I'm going to help people be vegetarian. I'm just going to show people how you can deal with food.
0: (laughs) Yep. That's really fascinating. And as you, as you kind of went down this path, how did your experience with your mom even shape just how you approach clients now or how you approach your practice or working with people who are wanting to kind of use food? as a way to nourish their bodies from the inside out almost.
1: Yeah, That's an interesting question. How do I use that? I think uh, I have a a part of empathy that I don't think some people have because they just haven't been there. Like I didn't have the cancer, but I might as well. I mean, she was so close, right? She was like the closest thing and she was, I mean, you're only 14. That's fairly young. So how does it impact me now? I think I have more empathy and I also understand that uh, when you do change, when it's tasty it's, and it is nourishing, that it kind of takes away that need for that other stuff. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing too is that nutrition doesn't stand on its own because I can eat all the broccoli sprouts, I can eat all the tofu, I can eat all the whole grains possible. But if I'm an angry person in, internally it's still going to eat me up so it wasn't you know it was a complete package it was again the body mind and spirit and I uh, I have uh, clients I actually currently have a client where we, we're doing everything right on the food part but we're not getting anywhere so even though you know I'm not a therapist or anything but we do address what do we really believe do we believe this is going to work do we do we believe you know, this is really nourishing you. Are you, and you know, what, what is holding you up in your mind?
0: Mm. That is,
1: that is still a big part of, of being well. Yeah. Is, food is a part of it. So yeah, I, I guess I do use those elements that I learned that food doesn't stand on its own. When food is tasty, you don't feel that deprived. Uh-huh. You not eating meat. Right. <laughs> and, um. Nourishing food also, when you're well nourished, some of those cravings just kind of disappear. It is strange but yeah. it just happens because we're well nourished. So those cravings kind of go they kind of go to the background
0: mm-hmm. So when you transitioned from being in the Netherlands to coming to the states, how how was that transition? especially from a plant-based vegetarian perspective, how was that for you? Were there any struggles or any challenges that you had to overcome as you were transitioning over here?
1: Yeah. Uh, in some things that was better here, there were more options, uh, more options as, as into the dairy free and meat substitutes that were kind of fun and fun to try there are some things I missed. Of course, in the Netherlands, they have uh, a line of non dairy yogurts that is just awesome. It's not very sweet. It's tangy. It's just what I grew up with, but it happens to be made out of soy. So I missed that. But I felt like a world went open. I would spend like two, three hours at that time at like a Whole Foods because at the time I still had the samples out and I'll try all these samples. It was, it was, uh, hours that I always said I, It was going, like, to the toy store for me when I would go to a big healthy store because all these things and reading all the labels and, and, you know, figuring this out. Um, So it definitely felt like there were more options. And my mother would say, hey, can you bring this back for me? Can you bring that back for me? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: So some differences and some things that you missed from the Netherlands, like yeah. the yogurt, but it sounds like there were some, also some a plethora of options as well. And I can't imagine going into being used to your grocery stores and then being thrown into different <laughs> grocery stores and having to go through yeah. the process of like recognizing labels, knowing what's vegan, what's not. Cause that's obviously a big thing because there's always hidden yeah. ingredients sometimes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the whole food part was, it was quite a change for me uh because the european had uh, the food that we ate was from a health food store so it was grown on a smaller scale and an apple looked like an apple tasted like an apple and then i got to college here and it, there was this beautiful red apple and i bit into it and i was like what is this i know it's an apple it looks like, like an apple but it absolutely doesn't taste like yeah. apple." <laughs> oh,
0: that sadly doesn't
1: surprise some me. <laughs> me. yeah yeah some transition there but uh i got used you know, got used to it and found lots of other things that I didn't find over in the Netherlands. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I feel that, that there were more options here for the vegan vegetarian at yeah. that time. And yeah. even now I mean now it's just like really exploded.
0: Yes. Yeah, it really has. It's I almost know. Almost
1: overwhelming.
0: Yes. Yes. We talk we've talked about it on the show a couple of times. Like it's such a great time to be alive as we're like seeing all of these plant-based options, you know, coming to fruition. It's it's just incredible. And people are just incredibly talented and smart in the way that they're able to create some of these things.
1: Well, and there's a market for it too now. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Heck That's
0: yes. exciting. Yes, yeah. it is. So if you could go back as you were maybe not transition, maybe in the States, but is there any piece of advice that maybe you would give yourself or even give your clients who are trying to eat plant-based, but there are some, obviously some struggles along the way. Is there anything specifically that maybe you encounter with your clients that you help them through or try to help them understand when it comes to eating plant-based, you know, around this pre-menopause, menopause phase of life?
1: Yeah, just because it says vegan, Doesn't necessarily, you're already shaking your head like yeah Just because it's vegan doesn't necessarily mean it is going to be good for our health. That's one piece of advice. Uh, I do label reading and it's like, why do you do label reading? Yeah, I do label reading because the label really tells us. It says nutritional facts. Those are the facts. They're not trying to uh, sell us. And Mm. so uh, knowing how to interpret those is so important because again, they will put the vegan on anything, (laughs) Uh, but is it really healthy? Is it really going to help me? And yeah, it's vegan, meaning that they can use animal protein, um, but it doesn't really mean that it's going to support my health in the Mm. long run. Yeah. I think that's one thing I still use a lot. And I have to do a lot of that transitioning from the Netherlands here, Uh, getting to know somebody's product is you just got to read the label and the ingredients and not look at the rest of the package looking at the nutritional facts and and I still do that with all my clients we go through that and figure it out and I um, showed them a few things like is this a food you want to eat often or is this a food you want to occasionally eat and that's another thing there's no good or bad there's like okay, uh, is this one I want to do every day or is this one I want to do occasionally? Mm-hmm. And again, I also learned that from my mom that you don't have to get rid of everything. Um, but still, you know, you can keep a couple of foods that you don't want to do every day, not even every week, but, you know, just keep them in the rotation. So it's special. You can enjoy it. You don't have guilt feeling. It's about doing it. Um, so, yeah, label reading and... Basically, I don't want to say make all foods fit because that's too definite. Um, but there are some foods that you want to eat occasionally, not yeah.
0: all the time. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And our plant-centered listeners, they know that marketing <laughs> marketers are savvy. So you're right, they will put anything on the front of a package to make it look sexy and something that we like, quote, should eat um because it says vegan or high protein or whatever. The, the fad is. Um, so I like that just kind of being a bit more diligent in. okay, is this something that really aligns with my health? My personal journey is something that I want to eat every day, like you said, or something that maybe is just going to be more sporadic or kind of like a, a fun food every once in a while. Mm-hmm. For sure. Is there anything else with your clients that any struggles that you see that you kind of help them with just because I think, like you said, the premenopause, menopause phase just isn't really there aren't a lot of dietitians that specialize in that specific area. So is there anything else that comes up that you help your clients navigate?
1: Yeah. So especially we as women, we're so driven with the number on the scale. It's just how society is, how we're judged at the uh, doctor's office. I mean, it, it it's all uh, driven by the number on the scale. And as we go into perimenopause and menopause, you might have not changed anything with your eating. You're you're just a happy vegan going along, and boom, there comes that transition, and you find yourself gaining some weight, or you find yourself not sleeping through the night, or you find yourself just not being so happy. And and it's not put out there that this is because your hormones are changing, and because your hormones are changing, your metabolism is changing, your but your gut biome is changing, the the way you're. Your, uh, your brain uh, functions, you know, your serotonin, your dopamine, all that is changing. And, yeah, you might be eating all the right things, and it's just a part of the life change. It doesn't mean that being a vegan is not working for you or being more plant-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need to look at, you know, any deficiencies. Let's fix those, and let's look a little closer to... You can sent to be a little higher on the carbohydrate intake, and that's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but we need to look at what kind of carb, carbohydrates are we, are we ingesting. Is it helping us as we transition? Because as we transition, the estrogen goes down, progesterone goes down, and that changes how we store fat. It mm. changes how we uh, break down our carbohydrates because there's a little bit more insulin resistance. And uh, so things are changing. And I don't think it's recognized Mm -hmm. that that's what's happening. And as our body is changing, it's metabolizing differently. We should adjust how we're eating and we can adjust. And um, that doesn't always mean that 20 pounds are just going to disappear. As we look, as we transition from perimenopause to menopause, uh, women are at a higher risk for heart disease. They are at a higher risk for osteoporosis. You know, these are, if you're vegan or non-vegan, we also uh, have a more instances of divorce in this time of our life. Wow. Because we're going through all these changes and we we don't know how to compensate, how to change. And it all just stacks up. And we have been often taking care of a family, taking care of everybody's needs. We run out of out of our house without really doing a breakfast and you know, it all just kind of comes together, and it's not because you're failing. You just need a plan. You just need some help and understanding your body again because it's not what it was and um, because of the change in yeah. the hormones, and it has such a big effect on us. And it's, yeah, it's um, there are definitely a lot of things nutritionally you can do it is going to help your brain health. Mm. and it's, it's it's an exciting era but um again happiness is often so tied to that number on the scale yeah and there's more to our life in perimenoma- perimenopause and menopause although I do understand the frustration because I'm there myself
0: <laughs> yeah. and I think that's helpful to you going through it as well and being able to relate like you said you're already an empathetic person but that just takes it to the next level to really be able to not just relate to someone else who is also going through it, but also to be able to explain, okay, this is what's happening to your body. Cause I'm sure a lot of women are like, what, what's wrong with me? You know, what, what is going on? Why is my body doing this? And you're able to actually lay out the facts like, okay, here's what's happening. This is a natural thing that we go through. Um, And to be able to walk them through that and give them that support, I'm sure is just so reassuring and comforting.
1: Right. And again, there's there's an approach of the body, mind and spirit. So being in a good space in your head, having self-care. Some people uh, worship, uh, meditate, you know, read their Bible. So we we have to have some way of working on our spirit. Uh, The other part is is so important. And and a lot of my clients cringe when I say this, but uh, we need to start doing weight bearing exercises. We need it. Our bodies needed. (laughs) it. to keep onto that bone and to help our metabolism. Uh, But also, you know, we put all these things in place and some women still find themselves saying, you know, Clara, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just not my old self. Mm -hmm. And you might never be completely old self because you're, you're in a transition. Sometimes hormone replacement therapy might uh, have a spot there, you know, that needs to be decided on an individual basis. But again, if you just do the hormone replacement and then look how you're eating, it's like we're just band-aiding. Yeah. It's not going to be as effective as if we work on all those other parts of our, our lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, we can still thrive. And as we are in transition, uh, I find myself being more bold because, you know, I've lived a little bit of life. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, as our hormones change, we actually become more bold. We Oh. or a little less what everybody else thinks. Yeah. <laughs> that's to do with the estrogen, the the reduction in the estrogen. Hmm. Is, uh, very interesting. And so it's good. I can advocate for the person that's just starting paramenopause because, you know, I'm like transitioning out of that. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm so glad that you, you came on to sh- not just share your story, but also to share pieces of what you do, because I think that's really important, especially for people who are struggling or are going into perimenopause or are in menopause or even postmenopause, And to be able to have someone to support them through that, I, I just think it's invaluable. So I appreciate you breaking into that space because I know we, we talked offline. There's not a lot of dietitians who do that um, or a lot of people in general. So for you to be able to sit down and kind of explain it and support them and all that, I just think is so wonderful, Clara.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I just love, I love helping women feel good. Yeah, um, and feel empowered, and I am with them. I don't want to eat. I say to my daughter, I don't want to eat dead animals. That's just not me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to partake in that. And just because I'm a paramenopausal menopause is me, all of a sudden now, my, you know, I, I need to start doing that. That's right. Just, it just goes against my soul. <laughs> I just <laughs> couldn't do it. I just, yeah. And I think you just recently had a post or a story on it that. Plant protein are not uh, a lesser type of protein.
0: Right. Yep, absolutely. They're an
1: adequate protein. I mean, yeah, we can't just just eat the beans. We have to, you know, rotate. There's some science behind it, but, um, you know, how you do that? So you you do get all the building blocks to make any type of protein in your body, uh, but they're not inferior. Plant proteins are not inferior.
0: (laughs) Yes. Amen. Yeah. yeah well thank you so much claire for coming on and sharing all of this if if people do want to connect with you or reach out to you or potentially work with you where's the best place for them to do that
1: probably on instagram i'm there a lot uh the vegan uh, dot menopause dietitian i think you probably yep. put that in your show notes too but yeah
0: we sure will yeah, yeah we'll have to
1: connect <laughs> i i again i love just helping women thrive yeah
0: it's very obvious and I, obviously I can see you. So for those of you watching, you can see it as well. For those of you <laughs> listening, hopefully you can hear it in Clara's voice because it's very apparent that this is something that she's incredibly passionate about. So and I appreciate that. Well, yes. Yeah, so we'll include all of those links in the show notes. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Clara or myself. Other than that, Clara, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was It was very nice chatting with you.
0: Yes, same. Yep. And for those of you listening, thanks for joining us as well. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the plant centered and thriving podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you until next time. Keep thriving.